0: Okay. Make it so.
1: I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. She said, this semester we'll be learning about the three branches of the United States government. The legislative branch, the executive branch, and... <laughs> And then we had to tell her that the third branch was, well, I, I don't remember it was. Yeah, which and you're like, was, I didn't do it. The yeah. federal
0: branch,
2: the government branch, and the white supremacy <laughs> it's the branch. Oh. It's like, yeah, the three branches. It's really the
0: white supremacy tree that all the branches <laughs> yeah. come right. out of. It's yeah. like yeah. the misinformation so branch, <laughs> the, the, the psyops the the branch, <laughs> the
2: fluoride branch, <laughs> the, the, the circumcision the chemtrail branch, chemtrail branch, <laughs> the, Department the of quaint, chemtrails. Clandestine assassination branch, Fe- federal booty inspectors. <laughs> oh, can I female booty inspectors?
1: <laughs> Damn, I missed the. Joke. I think it's body inspector. I think it's. I've it's definitely the
0: agency that I am aware of is the female booty inspector.
1: Oh, that's weird because James I've Comey. heard about the female body inspector. No, that's just made up. Oh, okay. that's just a joke. Cool. I'm drunk, so that's okay. That's yeah.
2: Sam, you are. You came in a little bit more wasted than you are now. I'm, I'm gonna, feeling
1: better now that I'm sitting. You got to be reading
0: that Bible, you know? It's the truth. <laughs> the only Bible yeah, I need true. is
2: QAnon. <laughs> All right. Oh, Q- welcome Bible. to the show, everybody. We're fucked. The <laughs> welcome to the show, everybody. The quibble. I called it the quibble. The Trouble so with we, Quibbles. We, we watched Aliens for this? Show? Yep. Did we? we well, wait. <laughs> Now we watch Aliens for this show. Uh, I'm your host Asher Lack. With me are my co-hosts, the honorable Sam Lazarus. Hi, I'm Alan Sussman. And our lawyer Raphael Ruttenberg, Esq. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's your season 2 greeting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sick. Oh, uh, that's your Henry Kissinger <laughs> oh, voice. I thought feel good. <laughs> that's pretty good. I, think I was I'm going to die. <laughs> I think I'm going to aid to government in genocide. It's a good
1: thing I didn't bring my spear gun cuz you guys would be done right now.
2: And today we're talking about aliens in 1986 case I wasn't clear, James Cameron I'm
1: threatening to spear gun Henry Kissinger.
2: I'm cutting that, Sam. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah.
1: Should be pretty easy to hit.
0: <laughs> you
2: can't move very fast, And even big fucking land sack whale. Of shit. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's true.
2: Hey, yeah, you try relaxing after a hard day of drinking blood from the skulls of your enemies. I eat lots of turkeys. <laughs> all right, I'll cut that. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to the show. Oh, God. I fucking love this movie. Aliens, yeah, 1986, right. James Cameron. It's great. It's great. It's, I don't know. It has some sequel
0: shit going on. Yeah, and it's like, the, it's of not better sequels, than the first movie. The first movie is fucking iconic. It stands alone. It is just a remarkable fucking foot movie. But
1: it's a tough movie to sequel and I think that Aliens does a fairly good job.
0: I think it does a fairly good job, but it's definitely sequel-y. Like there's yeah. more of them, a lot more of them, and there's like yeah, to lots the point of point of ridiculousness. Yeah. To, I mean, they also like I mean, the first one was so good in my recollection. I know we watched this pretty recently. The first one was so I good. Actually, I didn't watch it.
2: Oh, was it an Allen episode? Yeah. Oh, okay. I watched this recently. Yeah, we watched it um, recently.
0: There is the one monster, and it's uh, like remarkably effective. Uh, it, it manages to inspire real fear and body horror, and it's just like an incredibly well done movie, and it's in very very creepy and unnerving. And the the alienness of it is very convincing. Like you know, you just really like. There's a whole lot of mystery in there. Like, you know, it's like this incredible world that they build in this in this movie. Um and you know, they, they get they can squeeze a lot of fear out of that. Mm. This one is like a little bit heavy on the like machinery, like the the big guns and the the, the yeah. tanks. S- the He's obsessed processor. with his
2: toys, James Cameron. Yeah. Right? In a way that like if the first movie is actually a haunted house and is a very small contained space and small contained movie in a lot of ways where you get glimpses into a much larger world, a much larger universe, like the ship. Yeah. The ship. I mean, there are so many things about it that you, you get these sort of very vague ideas that we're living Actually, in a much larger I read that, world. Um,
1: James Cameron decided for, for, you know, budget concerns, not to go with Geiger for this one. And you can totally see it. Right like it's not it's it's like done in the style of h r Geiger, but and the first time you see a place where like it could have been cool Geiger-y is like when they show up at the atmosphere processor and there's like a tunnel that's got the like
2: ribs on the roof, yeah, it's you know? being colonized, yeah, by and the it's aliens. like
1: not it doesn't it doesn't live up to the artistic. Um, it doesn't look as cool. It's missing yeah,
0: some it of that
2: like, like the, gooey horror yeah. of the and first even one. Like the um, the, sure the,
0: the the human space like the Nostromo was really yeah had a uh, had a vibe to it. Yeah, and I don't know. There's a lot of like also. I mean, I think you're, it's interesting because yeah, I like the haunted house metaphor, but also it's like encapsulated. It's like a bottle. Like it has this like the outpost feel like something going on very far away. Yeah, that is like you know this is like beyond beyond the horizon on the frontier um,
1: it's also super simple yeah right? like the narrative is really straightforward for real whereas this one is like there's kind of a lot going on but then you end up with sort of the same conflict well so there's yeah. a lot more setup, and then yeah. sort of the same payoff that yeah. being said it's really cool yeah totally Look.
2: And so I think that this does something that a lot of sequels attempt and fail to do. And I think it's something that's vital to a good sequel, which is that it expands the world of the first movie. Yeah. So in all of the ways that the first alien is almost like minimalist and has like, it comes out in 1979. And so like the vibe of the first alien movie it's crazy early. Yeah, it's it's incredibly early for, first of all, how it looks, right? Yeah, totally. And then just a lot of its, like, concerns and a lot of its aesthetic choices that end up ushering in, you know, on the edge of what we sort of come to know as cyberpunk, you know, ish. Well, Is it? it's it's that denigrated future. It's a future that isn't high tech and clean. I mean, if you think that, like, you know... The, I mean, it's sweaty. It's sweaty, but it's just, like, it's not clean, like it's the tech is used and distorted and broken and kind of like yeah. it's a lived in world I don't know if yeah, I would it's, call this cyberpunk. it's a punk. it's a it's a trash future it's not future. quite yeah it's a trash future it's not quite cyberpunk in the way that blade runner is but yeah. it it's i mean it's definitely like um
1: runaway capitalism but
0: th- i mean like the the fact that you know in the space of a decade like what happened to it just what, what what from 1969 you get 2001 79 and, Oh, 69. Think 69, yeah. 69. It's like immaculate, uh, terrifying future, but still like this, like, you know, the the, the machine is all-knowing. The, the omnipotent machine, like the idea that, like, scientific progress carries, uh, you know, it carries us, that it's, you know, that it is a, it's, it itself is a force and it is, you know, to, you know, it's going to a, a attain perfection, obviously in 2001 fall short of perfection that's the whole plot but this is like you know you know this is very jerry-rigged alien in 1979 this is a decade like the whole that whole idea is out the window there is no more like you know future perfect it is just like this like very junky kind of like extension of our present with the same kind of uh alienation and paranoia and like you know
1: nation
2: yeah well okay and like so, no, not 90s. like that show from the 80s, Sam. 90s. I think it was late I don't remember 80s, this. 90s. Oh, fair enough. Anyway, regardless, w- w- to Best to sort ever. of to piggyback on what Raph was saying about, though, is like, it's really interesting. When you consider sci-fi as a mirror to the concerns and the sort of zeitgeist of when it comes out, like 2001 is this movie about consciousness and it's brought on by the psychedelic revolution right so like you know 2001 is what does it mean to experience consciousness outside of yourself larger than yourself what does it mean to create a consciousness that's superior to mankind and how does that consciousness interact with you know the star child which is like this sort of exponential next level thing at least that was my understanding of it and it's it's interesting to see The first alien, and I think to a much larger degree, this one, which is why I think maybe I might like this movie more than the first alien. Blasphemy. Is that this mirrors the fucking hyper capitalistic nightmare of the 80s where it's like all the star children fucking cut their hair and got jobs as like investment bankers. And they're trying to be Gordon Gecko, And this is the future that they're building now. We have like yeah. fucking I actually sleazy think Paul, Paul Reiser. Right? Yeah, Paul <laughs> yeah. Reiser
1: in this movie, that's the whole story. Like that's the difference between this movie and the first one, right? In the first movie, you're like, oh, there might be a corporation in the background that's sort of pulling the strings. In this movie, you're like, oh, Paul Reiser is the reason. Here's the bad
0: guy. Here's the villain.
1: Not just the villain, but like he thinks he's the good guy. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, for the first half of the movie, you think he's the good guy. You think he's Ripley's ally, right? Yeah.
0: and I, th- I sort of take that, like, the fact that all of the badness is embodied in Paul Reiser is like, a strike against this movie where you just had this, like, very distant corporation right. in the first movie. um, Like, that, to me is creepier and that's like that's more that resonates more with me it's more representative you mean of, in Alien it's in Alien yeah. in the first movie it's, it's totally it, creepier yeah but,
1: but it's more it's more terrifying in this movie like the idea that a normal human being that was able to relate to Ripley and convince her that this was a good idea could actually be so twisted that he thinks it's a good idea to cl- knowing knowing that these creatures are so dangerous well here's right? the thing
0: here's why I disagree about that I think that it makes to me it makes a lot more sense and it 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 has more emotional resonance because it makes more sense to me that the decision to like capture the alien bring the alien back or like whatever this obviously totally foolhardy um ap- almost apocalyptic like self-inflicted wound that they're trying to do like they're trying oh, to bring back a, they're trying to bring back something which has is so innately destructive that it will not; they will not be able to control it. Yeah, it will kill. It them. It will kill them.
1: As the, it the, does in Alien the, Resurrection.
0: The, you know, I, don't, I haven't seen it. I have seen it, but I don't remember it.
1: That is the plot of Alien Resurrection. Okay.
0: Um, well, I mean, the fact that I think that the fact that you have a faceless someone, someone who doesn't appear on screen, a, a company, an entity that doesn't appear on screen, that's much more realistic that they make that choice. Having an individual do it. It seems it's a little bit. It's more of it's more identifiable as like a movie trope. Well, that makes less sense. And
1: like, yeah, it makes less sense. But because he's relatable as a human being, it's scarier, right? I don't agree. Well,
2: and also, hang on to jump in. I would say that again. This is the 70s versus the 80s here, where like in the 70s, it is a faceless. You know, like. It's a theory. It's exactly. It's a theory.
1: theory, And the eighties, it's like a normal trope. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that
2: we've actually, you know, metabolized and it's just part of the equation is like like,
1: the, the idea of the faceless corporation is terrifying, but it's not relatable. Right. So when you have an individual representative who is like, thinks of themselves as not evil, but the action that they choose is clearly evil. Right, like to me, that's scarier because that's a real human being that can make a real decision that could actually impact. Whereas, like the picture of a faceless corporation is sort of, it's like a storybook villain. Like it's hard well, to it's picture. Not, it's not a storybook villain because. Well, no, I mean, I know it isn't in reality. I'm just saying, like in narrative, I, it's, it's that's like all I'm saying. I'm, I'm not sure
0: I understand the distinction, but that that is exactly what I'm saying. Is that having the personification of evil is very much. Uh, I think, a kind of um, much more ingrained, um, much more traditional way of telling the story. Um, And I think that a a more contemporary way of telling the story is this disembodied evil.
1: Well, now, yeah, sure. I know, that's what I'm saying. But we went through this period, right? Like, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, so Alien is sort of, I mean, certainly not the first, but sort of the a uh, uh, a shiny example of this story of the faceless corporation, in the background that like is pulling the strings, right. And is controlling us. And then aliens is like, Oh wait, these strings are actually individual human beings, real people who are on the ground, who are making these decisions for their own self-interest. Like that's the actual danger of a corporate culture is that individual humans become convinced that their self-interest is, in fact, the interest of the corporation. But all I'm yeah. saying is that you don't experience it that way.
0: That for us, for the general public, being placed in a situation where someone is making decisions um, that that impact us negatively, you know, like some um, you know middle management type at some health insurance is saying like. I'm going to cut this, you know, we're not going to...
2: Yeah, we're going to not offer that product uh, yeah, anymore. No, no, yeah, we're, and we're, then all of a sudden, you're like, gonna, where's yeah, my We're medicine? not going to
0: reimburse for this claim, um, you know, this person who's going to die without this medicine. It's faceless. I mean, it is a person making it, probably.
2: It, it definitely it is. It is.
0: The, the is, by necessity, um, the face is taken away. It becomes an institution. The institution itself carries the evil
1: in it. Sure. And I guess, so I think they're both me, horrifying right they're differently
2: they're they're differently horrifying they're similarly horrifying my
1: point is that it's easier to relate to paul reiser like through the first half of the movie i'm like this guy is cool like he's fighting for ripley and then you find out that oh he's garbage and all along he's been lying he's been tricking well certainly ripley but really everyone
2: he's been tricking the viewer yeah the the entire
0: time
1: he's been mad about you
2: Yeah, I don't know, so should we do a plot breakdown of this movie?
0: Break break it down.
2: Okay, yeah, so we open up 57 years after the events of the first alien and Ripley's spaceship, Ripley obviously the iconic hero and survivor of the first alien movie um, has been captured or not captured but found by salvagers, which again, I thought this was another really interesting nod of like, okay, again we're talking about colonialism and the frontier made into space so now there are people who just chill out in the depths of space and collect random space trash and scrap it and sell the metal back and that's their life if if I may interrupt momentarily yeah, please. I think there's
1: an interesting sort of subtext here which probably is not intended which is that this whole colonial idea exists in the absence of like native people right like so the whole this whole structure that we're talking about in these movies is predicated on the idea of expansion. And yet there are no indigenous people anywhere through this expansion. So it's like a clean vision of what, you know, manifest destiny could look like in the absence of indigenous people, which is a little terrifying if you stop and think about it. Like, yeah. You know, that's like a whitewashing of the horrific history of western culture right
2: yeah and actually i never thought about it but now that you're saying this like this movie could also be seen as a sort of like pro-colonial where it's like yeah the the brave white frontiers people go out to terraform this planet and are massacred by native bugs yeah no i mean like it does uh you know express some kind of like xenophobic
0: you know the xenomorph xenophobia right uh exp- expresses on i think on some level that fear that in the unknown there is something that will kill you
1: but like, it's so you clean know, it's yeah. like the unknown is dangerous and like unequivocally so right
0: well yeah i mean it's it's a horror of the unknown um yeah i mean like which for which for a western audience definitely ties into the we have the colonial memories of that We we tie that into the colonial project unconsciously I mean, like, you know, that was how many movies were made about, like, Indians massacring these innocent settlers. Yeah. And, like, right. the Indians were were animals. Or, and like, they, they were
2: perfect killing machines, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, and like, they, they literally say it. I'm sorry to keep interrupting that's you. That's all right. No, they keep saying it in the movie. I mean, the, the Marines are literally called the Colonial Space Marines, yeah. which yeah. I was sort of like, who, who do they work for? Like, I think, I can't wait, believe... Lindy-tani. I think
0: the Marines were, like, kind of corny, but, like, I, I could deal with it. Um, I don't know,
2: maybe the just... The
1: dude who's the sergeant was yeah. actually a sergeant in Vietnam. Okay.
2: All right. I don't know. To jump back to the plot, so essentially we have Ripley's ship is uncovered by scrappers in deep space, and they discover that this is essentially a Weyland-Yutani ship, which this is when we learn about Weyland-Yutani. And in the canon of sci-fi there are two pretty big corporations that cast a long shadow over cyberpunk. And, and that's why I sort of reference it because I, I think that they, these two companies, Tyrell from Blade Runner and Weyland Yutani from the alien series, both kind of embody this corporatist future. And it makes sense that it's sort of born out of the late seventies into the eighties where you have like government paranoia. And then what does the government paranoia lead to? Uh, basically full-on corporate raider capitalism nightmare. So it's like, yeah, it makes sense that these would be in our vision of the future that originated in this time period. Um, anyway, Ripley's in a lot of trouble for having <laughs> blown up a whaling yutani ship in the first movie. It's hilarious because like... They They talk about literally millions of dollars Worth
1: of damage That scene where they're like Debriefing her or whatever mm -hmm. Like every time I've seen this movie a few times Every time it blows my mind Like how disbelieving they are Like
0: yeah yeah they
1: must know like she clearly didn't just randomly destroy her like what is their supposed well, tr- yeah i think they're maybe uh, trying to
0: uh scenario i, I don't know My, the way i read it was that they like they are very much aware of what was going on and that they're trying to like sort of like convince maybe try and convince her that she doesn't
1: or convince each other or try and yeah. get her to go back i mean that's yeah. ultimately what they're trying I don't to think do so that i mean that maybe but but it doesn't quite make sense because paul riser's character makes such an effort to like convince her if that if that was really what was going on they would have you know that would be what the meeting was about but it wasn't the meeting's about you know writing her out of the narrative making her out to be the ridiculous insane person that resulted in a huge loss of property it's funny. like but but we already know from the first movie that they knew. They knew about the. alien. Yeah, they knew That's about right? the alien. They knew it was this powerful
0: weapon. There's there's clues dropped all over this movie that you know that they directed this colony to, that they sent the ter- terraformers specifically to get infected. Yeah, like well, when, when they have when they have Paul the,
1: Rise's character specifically yeah. sent them to the wreck. They were
0: also yeah they were also told to like get the face hugger, um, and uh, make you know get the face hugger. Bring it and, to their and, med and, lab. Yeah, exactly.
2: Brings the med lab alive. Well, and w- again, to go back to the boardroom scene when they're grilling Ripley, there was an incredible parallel between that scene and a very similar scene in Terminator 2 when Linda Hamilton is being debriefed or so she's in the different. mental hospital. Like
1: the context of that scene is that the people around her have, would have no way of believing her. Yeah, well, because she's literally talking about something that comes in the future, whereas Waylon Utani created the whole situation that Ripley is describing. That they should know because it's their fault that she was there. So the idea that those executives wouldn't understand that she might be telling the truth is like a little shocking to me. That like literally no one in that room knew what was going on except Ripley. But like, where were the executives that sent? the nostromo
2: to that rock they're behind the curtain that's i mean but like
1: w- why haven't they told anyone in that room right like the whole I the whole situation kind of would be simpler it's like if they plausible just had deniability one representative in that room like even i expected i'm watching it this time i expected paul riser to be like secretly aware of what was going on wait, you, you think, find out wait, later you do
0: think you think that the assembled you know the debriefing
1: team didn't know yeah, I mean, there's, oh, well, there's okay. certainly no indication that they knew. Right. Right? I don't know. They all I, treat I could her like way. a crazy person. And then later, Paul Reiser's character is like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe she makes sense. Maybe this is a real thing. And then you find out that he sent a team to the wreck to see, because clearly he thought there was some chance that she was telling the truth. But he did that, you know, on his own, surreptitiously, outside of you know, the, the, his peers, like he's the weird executive that was like, maybe we should check this out.
0: Well, he gets what's coming to him. Yeah. Yeah. No, but.
1: I'm a just saying full like, alien face <laughs> like where are the executives that that set this whole thing up in the first place why aren't they in this movie like they're in the, all the other movies they're, right but
2: they're not I mean they're behind a curtain in well two. they're certainly in, in alien resurrection I haven't seen resurrection so I can't say and I okay. think
1: that alien Re- resurrection is just all like it's a facility where they're breeding these creatures
2: okay fair enough so, you know, maybe we can dig into this when we do Alien Resurrection. There's Alien 3, then there's Alien Resurrection. Alien 3 we could skip, I think. I actually, I'm going to take an unpopular standpoint that I kind of like Alien 3 in You're a lot fired. of ways. Please get out. I Maybe we need to watch it again, because, like, not. I remember. I, I watched,
0: um, I, after we watched the first one, I, I know I've seen Alien 3 and Resurrection, and I think Prometheus. Yeah, Prometheus is really bad. That's a hard, it's a hard pass. We're not doing that on the show. It is like it is fucking empty.
2: Well, I think I think there's a lot, of a lot of
0: sound and there. fury. If, so you, fine, if you, you want, want to talk lot. about
1: the whole canon, there's a lot of interesting details there. I think as a movie, it doesn't really stand enough. on its own. It's not interesting. Enough. The, but there's like a lot of cool yeah. stuff in the movie that unwinds some of the mythology.
0: If we do Alien versus Predator. You which we will which you best believe we're going to do. There's good stuff in there too. There's a lot of yeah, yeah. there's a, the a lot of lore, a lot of canon building stuff yeah. in there. A lot of Alien, a lot of Freddy, a lot, lot of, of Jason. I wish you watch that Cameo movie. appearances. A lot
2: of Batman, Wait, a lot of did, Shaquille O'Neal. Did O'Meal. I watch
1: Freddy versus
2: Jason with you guys? In theaters? Yes. If yeah. you were in the Times Square movie theater. Predator, it was Predator me. versus Kazam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I just want to know where space I can apply j- for a job at Wailing Weyland- yutani Space Jam uh, Resurrection. <laughs> that's, like, actually where Alan works. If I ever start a company, that's going to be its name. I'm sure that it's trademarked, Sam. I'll buy the trademark. Yeah, with some of our Patreon Alien money. works for yeah. a company.
0: What do they do? Do they implant microchips in people's brains to make them
1: super soldiers? What is it? No, that's InfoWars, dude. Oh, okay, right. You talking about Wailing yutani I, I actually downloaded the... Uh, the like the crew like you know there's that in the scene we're talking about where they're debriefing ripley uh-huh. there's like a display in the background yeah, that was kind of fucked up they're so, just like here
0: are all your dead friends
2: that was yeah. amazing so you can
1: actually download those files like you Whoa. can't see the whole file on in the in the shot but it's available online and um it's pretty messed up like and they go through. There's like all these uh, common kind of threads of like intelligence tests and personality tests that they use wow. between the different characters. And it's really interesting. Real nerd shit. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Obviously. That's, yeah. that's I. That, that is I goes without that saying. It yeah.
2: Me. <laughs> what did it say about Harry Dean Stanton's IQ? <laughs> <laughs> penis length twelve <laughs> tuna can. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't give him like a chode unit of penis measurement. Choked class. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett status like approve (laughs) oh god religion Jimmy Buffett (laughs) yeah so I don't know I, I just thought that it was an interesting thread running through James Cameron's work to have multiple scenes of sort of like these very strong female protagonists
1: oh yeah that's all his movies
2: who are completely sort of disbelieved by whatever the patriarchy and, and all of that. So I thought that that was an interesting. I agree. Yeah. So Ripley's life is fucked. She's like a dock worker after having been like. You know, there's a
1: daughter. Like she had a daughter. There's like a subtext here that, and it's in it's in those files that I'm talking about. If you download the the personnel reports or whatever. She had a daughter. On earth. On earth. Wanted to quit. And they were like, no, no, one last mission, and then we'll let you take a a sabbatical sabbatical or whatever. And she goes off on Alien, the first movie, that mission. That's the last mission she's supposed to go on before she gets to take her shore leave and be with her daughter. Whoops.
2: Oh, that's a bummer. So, (laughs) So I think actually at
1: the end of Aliens 3, she actually does meet her daughter. But there's, there's supposedly a deleted scene from this movie where there's a photograph or something. But like her daughter is an old woman by the time she gets back. Right. And you don't really get that from from the text of the movie. You have to you, look at the subtext.
2: I mean, when they tell Ripley that she's been out for 57 years, there is like a real sense of loss that she experiences. Yeah, but you
1: don't explicitly see why.
2: And like, yeah and the I answer that is because she cool. has a
1: daughter that she's basically never met
2: well i mean i think it's more than that too it's just like sure. she has family and friends i didn't need the the backstory of a daughter necessarily i mean that's cool but i don't know so so essentially we we catch up with her and her life is but fucked
0: also aren't they like traveling like super long distance like interstellar distances anyway yeah yeah the they physics never really of that doesn't quite work i mean yeah. i know it doesn't actually work but they never really even explain that so like Honestly, if you're like shipping out to go to like Zebulon no. Eight or wherever she goes, if
1: you're traveling faster than light, you better not have family back home.
2: Yeah, because time gets I don't all say faster than light. Well, no, that's they the are only way you can get light. between galaxies in yeah, yeah. a human lifetime. No, it
1: wouldn't make any sense if they were traveling sublight speed. Like, yeah, they're traveling all over the galaxy. It's like it's quite clear from the text of the move of both movies that they're tra- that it's faster than light travel. Oh, that's whack.
2: I mean, it doesn't, you know, again, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, we figured out a way how to travel between, you know, stars or solar systems or galaxies or whatever. Uber.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they have a hypersleep, but they never show like a hyper jump,
2: but it's heavily implied that that's what's going on. It's got to
1: be, because otherwise
2: it's
0: like- I thought because they were hypersleeping, it was was like kind of slow travel, and that was the whole idea. No, it's not.
2: It's like slow for, I mean, yeah, because like if you were traveling even- slightly above the speed of light which is not possible but okay like and you were going to alpha centauri it would still be sam what the speed of light is a hard limit like time of light
1: is harm limit hard limit on flat space time
2: but on curved space time it's cool you can just fuck around with it like it ain't no thing
1: well we already know that Mm, the universe expands
2: faster than the speed of light Okay, I this is above my pay grade as a former substitute teacher. So like I, you know, yeah, I'm going to defer to your expertise. You know, what else, you know
0: what else try, uh, expands faster than the speed of light. My farts, uh, my, 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 my bored boredness with this topic. Yeah, yeah thank you. Sorry. Okay, I thought this that was, was really a
1: fucking dumb. sci-fi my podcast. Balls. What's the my deal balls. here? Yeah,
2: <laughs> my balls.
1: That's the only slightly educated scientist here. Yeah, I mean that's
0: the whole point of this podcast is that you and Alan are the only people who have a like above monkey level understanding of science,
2: interest in science.
0: Yeah, and Alan quits. I'm saying,
2: I'm telling so, you guys <laughs> now. It's on you. Yeah, it's, you're it's, not to teach. There's
1: us. nothing wrong with the idea of fast and light travel. You just can't accelerate to get there on flat space time. You can sure try.
2: Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm Nothing's not going Nothing's impossible if you
0: believe in
1: yourself.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I read that yeah. in Dianetics yeah. and it Did works you know for me this,
1: the uh, the Enterprise's warp drive is powered
2: by belief <laughs> it's powered by good vibes <laughs> yeah. It's powered by Jesus <laughs> oh, I'm sorry I Jesus, find me funny Jesus take the wheel of this yonder mountain starship and take me down to a holy nebula where we are gonna be <laughs> for free of all kinds of sinful chicanery, titillation of alien boobs. (laughs) Yeah, testicle worshiping and nipple cherishing of all kinds of (laughs) cherishing. Can we cut this whole episode?
0: Yeah. All right, so... Where were we? She's debriefed. Uh, She's still got the cat. Garfield or Heathcliff or whatever it is. (laughs) Jonesy. I Jonesy. Jonesy. Heathcliff Jones.
2: So Ripley's life has been basically destroyed by her encounter with the alien. She's got nothing left. Yeah, she's working as a dock worker. And thank uh, God. Basically, Paul Riser, mad about all of us, comes and makes her a deal and says, like, okay. He's mad about evil in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. I'm mad about greed, which is good for some reason. Also, can we talk briefly about the fact that Paul Reiser is a Stuyvesant graduate? What? Yay, yay. Yeah. Mad about Lucy Lou. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. Yeah, so Paul Paul Reiser basically convinces Ripley. Wait, is that true? Or yeah, no, 100%. No, no, no. It's uh, legitimately true. Yeah,
1: interesting. Paul,
2: yeah. So Paul Reiser convinces Ripley to go to the planet where she originally encountered the ship with the eggs
1: because Beat there's mars.
2: been a loss of communication it's definitely
1: not mars.
2: Yeah. <laughs> mars. <too. laughs> it's, it's John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. <laughs> um Dark Star. Which again, the guy who Pinback from Dark Star wrote the script to the original Alien. That's amazing. Yeah. And his quote about it was if I can't make them laugh then I'm going to scare the shit out of them. That's amazing. I love you Pinback.
0: He's keep dead on now, gro- keep on grooving. <laughs> yeah. Keep on space grooving. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna
1: we're still doing a plot.
0: Yeah, we're breakdown. still doing a plot we breakdown. Were, we were talking about the plot of this movie. Yeah,
2: so Ripley is convinced by Paul Reiser to go to the planet where the original ship and eggs were that is now being terraformed by colonists who have since Loved. lost contact. Yeah, so they obviously they what do they have, think was going to happen? They have all been supremely murdered.
1: They would have been fine if no one had sent them to the wreck of the
2: alien ship. Well,
1: which it turns out later is an architect ship.
2: Oh, spoiler. S- uh, spoiler for Prometheus. Watching
0: Prometheus was like going like it's like eating at an airport before you fly when you like know you have to eat a meal and it's really terrible and you're just like <laughs> I guess I got to do this. That's so <laughs> I'll accurate. Hum- I'll be hungry if I don't. Oh, my God. You know, cause it's like it that was is so accurate. really bad. It's terrible. And, but you're just like, I really like this story and I want to know what they say about it.
1: I need to have the nutrients of canon details. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Which is not something I can. I am generally find myself doing like I'm not a completist. <laughs> like if something sucks. I'll hit the fucking bricks. I'll oh, yeah, you would hit them out. hard. I've walked out of many movies. I'm just like, nope, not into it. Bye. Really? Going to do something else. I don't
1: think I've ever walked out of a movie.
0: The first, It took me a while to like gain the confidence to do it. And I remember just watching Transformers with Tripper of all people. And we were sitting next to each other and people were like throwing popcorn. Oh, and like, I see. Then I Bernie Mac came on. Home. And we were, and Tripper like, he started talking and Tripper was just like, can we leave? I'm like, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we can absolutely leave The first Transformers yeah. movie See so your first piece.
1: mistake Was going into that movie I, I can't remember The
0: sequence
2: you're, of events That got us there Yeah but, I was about to say Your first mistake Was sobriety I know <laughs> I
0: know You know I would have gotten fucked up If I'd known That was the movie We were going to watch And I would have been One throwing popcorn <laughs> I, I would have been Just one like Reaching out And like hitting people I don't know <laughs> yeah, Ye- you're, Yelling at the characters But I wasn't So So you left So I left all right cool go white it up in my whitey chair <laughs> yeah i watched some pbs i watched some sensible <laughs> television that educated and titillated me and i i thought masturbated
1: about almost to completion and then stopped <laughs> <laughs> that's mighty white of you
2: yeah yes it is oh god yeah i don't know so the settlers have been murdered. They were fucked <laughs> up. Spoiler right. alert. I don't they, know murdered is Yeah, it's a the right fate word. worse than death. They're not like, dead. No, I know. In fact, it's like who was it They've that was They've lost saying, contact. You know when people do like again like Henry Kissinger level bad shit and like I don't really believe in certainly I don't really believe in hell. But it's like I understand why we invented hell because there are people why are you like Henry in hell? Kissinger We live in it. Right, no, no, thank you. You're right. Outside of our current conscious state, okay, I don't cool. believe in like you know, an an extra thermic hell where like, you know, souls... Endothermic. Fucking whatever. Cool. You know. I saw the most amazing... No, Sam! Okay, cool. (laughs) Don't
0: derail. Yeah. So they they go to this planet and they've got about a dozen hard-bitten marines of various sexes and, uh, you know, ethnic dispositions.
1: Of various packs... Paxton Tudes. Yeah, various levels
0: of various levels of being Bill Paxton <laughs> from zero to one hundred
2: of being Bill Paxton. Oh, but uh, again, like this is this is where I thought that the movie was really interesting because you have essentially there's no government whatsoever, right? Like nobody talks about a government yeah. ever. The the colonial marines work for Wayland yutani right? Like well, the,
1: it's not entirely clear because at one point they like towards the end, they all rise. So there it's possible that there's some kind of government, which is the, the, therefore the Marines are superior to the corporation. Well, I think it's more likely that the, the Marines themselves are just higher up in the, the hierarchy of the corporation.
2: Yeah, or that they have a certain, like, kind of protocol or chain of command in the right. field where it's like, right, okay. exactly. I mean, and again, like, for for viewers or for listeners who haven't seen the movie, from here out, and I would say the whole thing is pretty structurally rote. Like, it's it's not, there's no innovation. They find a child whose name is Newt, um, whose purpose... Technically, it's Rebecca. Whose, thank
0: you. Thank you for that correction. Whose purpose is to give ripley an emotional connection and to cause more plot to more plot to happen and also to show
1: show objectively how ridiculously dumb all the people in the movie are because she has like the objective reality in mind because she's experienced the aliens so she knows how to avoid them while the supposedly hardened marines are like well we'll just use our guns it'll be great
2: yeah, Trigger Happy Marines. Yeah, I mean and again this this movie had a little bit of like to me foreshadowing of like private military like Iraq and Iraq and Afghanistan kind of scenario. Yeah, and I, I thought that you know again from like a like a filmmaking standpoint one of the interesting things about the movie is that all of during their mission while they're basically getting owned by these aliens they're all wearing body cameras and I thought that that was kind of cool cuz it gave Cameron the ability to use like mixed media where we're seeing it from different perspectives. Yeah, totally. We're seeing the film from this kind of grainy surveillance. I also surveillance really like footage. the
1: perspective of like the uh, I guess he's a sergeant? No, lieutenant? I don't know, whatever. APOM? The, not APOM. The dude A-POM. with the cigar? No. The guy, the like new leader of the squad oh yeah i forget his name he's like the you know the
2: guy watching the cameras yeah he's from corporate basically
1: so i like that perspective of like the we you know the the outsider who's supposed to be supposed to have uh like proprietorship over the whole squad and yet he's not one of them and so he sits in the room and watches all the screens and then it turns out he has no fucking clue how any of this shit works you know i thought yeah. that was
2: cool well and I, I thought that that had a lot of like shades of vietnam movie in it right of just sort of like yeah. you know you have someone who graduates from west point right and then you have a grunt on the ground who's like yeah all right, careful not to get your nice brass buttons too shiny because a sniper will see you right. or whatever exactly. the fucking thing is. Obviously, I don't know anything about military service at all. Yeah, snipers, that's the thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I was kind of confused. So, uh, I mean, to, to sort of fast track the plot, you know, the Marines all get killed except for Michael Bean played by or Officer Hicks played by <laughs> Michael Bean. Who is, Mister, like, who Mr. Who is Bean. supposed
1: to be an avatar and James Cameron decided not to cast him because it would feel like an aliens reunion.
2: So to push forward with the plot, the plot, the marines, the marines all get just super killed. Yeah. A bunch at the beginning, very stupidly, like
0: they like blow up themselves somehow. I can't quite remember. That I, th- I thought that was frighteningly accurate.
2: Yeah. Oh, that friendly, whole scene friendly fire. Like, yeah. where
1: Oops. We might blow up the whole facility. Mm-hmm. Like, I really thought, having seen this before, I really thought that it was going to lead to the final explosion.
2: Well, and in a way it does, because mm-hmm. they put bombs down to blow up the facility ultimately. Yeah, but it's ultimately. not
1: from, like, the marine shooting at the aliens. That oh, that yeah, happens. no,
2: it's not from that. Uh, yeah, but okay, cool. So, you know, I mean, it doesn't... A lot of
0: stuff happens, bing, bing,
1: boom. You know. Yeah, they the,
2: find the colonists who are in a state of living death... <laughs> we're like yeah
1: incubating new aliens which is
2: horrifying and like I don't know yeah they, they they think they're gonna get
0: out they got this uh lander from the spaceship but an alien has gotten on the lander somehow very stupidly they left the door open alien gets on the lander and kills the pilot the ship crashes then they have to figure out how to get another lander and <clears throat> Bishop, the uh, the android, Well-meaning android. The well-meaning, the nice guy android. I mm. love that
2: actor. I can't
1: remember. He's Erickson. in all but the first Alien movie. Yeah. And, and it turns out later that, spoilers, uh, he's actually Wayland, that those androids are made in the image of Wayland. Um, anyway, that dude, whose name escapes me now. Lance Hendrickson. That sounds or, right. Is in Lance all Lance of Frank. these movies except the first one as basically bishop Bishop. or his successor
2: yeah so but again it doesn't really matter it has like a lot of those sort of stupid 80s tropes of like this movie has 50 endings and it's like we we got off the planet we nuked the planet like oh did we find newt is she okay yeah she's okay so they do the same thing again where the alien sneaks onto the ship which is
0: amazing in the first movie and cool in the second movie but like didn't quite have the same impact where like it, when it's when, when Ripley straps herself in, like ex- this is, that's extremely frightening in the first movie when she has she's like breathing really heavily and has to strap herself in gets into her spacesuit and then like has to like blow open the hatch uh, to get the alien out yeah like that's really very cool. Um,
1: you didn't Little, like the, like, loader The loader, the loader cool, fight but is it's awesome. Like,
2: it, the loader fight is cool, but it's sort of just like, yeah, this is... We, they did this. Year. All the fights, all the tech in this movie are awesome, right? Yeah. Like, like they're they're made to be oh. turned into toys and and made of I to a kid. It very toy-like, yeah. Yeah. I have one complaint. Sure. How is this for kids? They've... <laughs> I mean, I saw this movie when I was, like, nine. That's not surprising to me. Didn't you guys? No. Oh. Fair I think enough. I might have. I think I had alien toys. I think this was one of the first, like legit R horror movies that I saw, and was like, "This is awesome." So the movie ends with them blowing the Queen Alien, which again, when oh, you see the Queen Alien, that is fucking so. Yes, yeah, so, okay, so yeah. I mean, that's hardcore. Th- th- yeah, that that
0: delivers. Where it's like, where are all the eggs coming from? And like, you always, I guess I forgot that, like. You know, you have to take into account that this th- there is uh, lore to the aliens. Like they just they came they come from eggs. Who makes the eggs? Queen makes the eggs because I guess they're kind of like ants or wasps or who something. Makes the queen. Well, they sort of just we the queen learned just about happens, that later. Right? Isn't that just how it works? The queen just sort of happens. Like they just like somehow it comes to be that if there's an adequate food source, you know, through pheromones or something, the yeah, queen.
1: Like, I mean, the answer is. It's the engineers, right? but they don't uh, make every queen. They, yeah, uh,
2: Sam. We, they don't again. We're, what we're given is what we're given. Like yeah, yeah for in engineer. deep canon, like maybe the engineers. It's not even fucking explained. Yeah, right? they didn't like sneak onto no, the no, base. No, and, no, no, like,
1: no. But I mean, like somebody has to seed this species, right?
2: Yes, yeah, somebody. I mean, yeah. What what's revealed in Prometheus, which we're probably gonna end up cutting all of this because we'll put it in our Prometheus, nah. is that like the aliens are essentially a weapon. Right? right, and that those eggs were in the cargo hold of that ship because it was going to bomb planet Earth for some reason. Right. But we never learn why.
1: Yeah, but I'm saying like the queen doesn't hatch out of a regular egg.
2: Yeah, it does. The queen does hatch out of a regular egg. Is that how ants work? Google, how Truth. do ants work? Yeah. I think it just it like that's right. how
0: it works with like ants. I'm, yeah. They just they they sort of like they make a colony and they spontaneously create a queen. There's one queen.
2: And once that, that queen is made, they're like, okay, now we got a colony. Let's do some more. Yeah. And they eat all the subsequent queens. I think it's probably one of those rando things. It's like one in every, you know, 200 eggs is a queen. No, yeah, I don't, I'm I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's not how it works, but whatever. I honestly don't know. We don't tweeted know Google. Ants. Google ants. This is a podcast. <laughs> tweeted,
0: <laughs> ants movie tweeted us. <laughs> Google, how do ants work? <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, you, you know, the Queen, again, in
0: all is, the is, ways is that this movie. The, is B movie a part of this, ca- a part of the alien universe?
2: <laughs> yeah, equally disgusting.
1: <laughs> Very arousing. Anything Seinfeld has done is part of the canon.
2: Well, so no, but again, in showing us the Queen, we again get the world expanded of this, right? The Queen be making some nasty shit. Yeah. So, Squeezing I thought that was, that was rad. Eggs out of her butt. Oh, it is fucking that horrifying. Scene where she,
1: like, pulls away from the That that is some hardcore crazy. Yeah, you is know that one.
2: It is gross.
1: Yeah. Did you just say, how do I know the word ovipostor? I'm yeah. deleting Science, that. from science. Okay. That's how, yeah.
0: So I so what do the aliens eat? Because I know that they either people they, kill, they eat people, they no. either kill people or they take people back for yeah. We never eat. we never this ever is I mean, and eat.
2: this is the the big complaint that I Believe you know it. cereal they don't <laughs> yeah eat. pasta no, no, carbo actually, load. like that yeah. is a giant gap. that's the big plot Good hole here yeah it's oh, like it's stupid how do you grow from nothing? I mean, maybe they eat metal. Who knows? Doesn't matter. It's dumb. Yeah, it's super I dumb. mean,
1: who knows? Maybe they're like plants. Maybe they eat carbon out of the air.
2: Maybe they're vegetarians. That's true. Maybe they're
1: pescatarians, all they eat is tuna. Who
2: knows? Yeah. <gasps> tuna fish. Maybe they eat cats? They don't eat cats. They we don't see, eat cats. Maybe we see they them just not eat eating cats's. cats.
0: Yeah, maybe they just they do they do get delivery. Space yeah. Uber. <laughs> Space Uber. Space Uber Eats That's only for one. aliens. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, I don't know, but uh, so again, in the end of the movie we see the kind of iconic final scene where Ripley fights the Queen using the like the loading dock so cool. loader. I know it's super cool. And like again, oh, one of those. practical effects just look better. So much better. Like to this day. To this day. This movie still looks great. In fact, the only thing in the movie that looks bad is the CGI Lightning. It's the only thing where I'm just like oh. Even that
1: I didn't notice. There's literally nothing in this movie that took me out that yeah. like broke broke the, i noticed the, some
0: of the uh that it definitely seemed like there were like miniature sets at some point like when they're, the
2: remote control car yeah, yeah there yeah. might
1: be points where like oh the perspective is slightly off but it doesn't take you out of you know like whereas if you watch phantom menace there are like a hundred scenes where oh if you is, watch
0: phantom menace if you watch <laughs> there's, there's when we watch there's a problem there's a problem with your premise here who, who are we <laughs> talking <laughs> to i walked mean, like out of to a star wars, wars movie what? I walked out of one of the the prequel Star Wars movies. Phantom Menace? Probably. Attack of the Clowns? Probably. Revenge of my colon? I remember there were lots of <laughs> robots. Revenge of my colon.
2: It's just like <laughs> Darth Vader. <laughs>
1: There were, there were lots of robots?
0: There were lots of robots running. I, yeah. That's when I, I pieced out. That might be Phantom Menace. Okay. <laughs>
2: Darth <Cool>. Flatulence. Fart <laughs> <laughs> Vader. <laughs> sounds like a villain from like Rabelais. <laughs> so I don't know. That end fight scene is amazing. I think, was it done with puppets? I kind of didn't know how they... Because like that loader wasn't can, can actually Can I interject built. something here? Yeah, yeah what, that it doesn't matter? Can I interject? I'm can I, interject? Um, I think
0: that being into star wars is really cool and i think that people should not be ashamed of it and they should probably wear t-shirts that have star wars references but that only star wars fans will get so you can identify each other because i think that is very cool to like a movie than you that much you know Wookiees. wookies it's such a lovely you don't have to have any other facets of personality, that's enough. Yeah, no, I mean, Star that's Wars. true.
2: You're lost in the supermarket, and you found your way. Yeah. You can now shop happily, customer.
1: Wait, can we talk for a minute no. more about... Oh, sorry. Oh, wait, no, continue. what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say what a dick Raph is for hating Star Wars.
2: No, Star Wars fucking rules. Raph is a I dick. I don't fucking... I don't hate Star
1: Wars. I think. No, no, you just hate Star Wars fans. I get it. Those are different things. No, it, And I, one of them is legitimate, and the other one is totally not legitimate. And I'll let you decide which is which.
0: The the, the uh, three Star Wars movies that came out when we were kids are a lot of fun. They're great. I'm not going to say anything more than that. They're a lot of fun. When we
1: were kids?
0: Or before. <laughs> I don't know. The ones um, I saw on VHS I liked. That's,
2: yeah, Every other one I've well, seen has been a doody. Hang on. I think that it's not your and qualm I haven't seen with any Star Wars. Wars is is not about the actual movies. Your qualm is about fanboy culture as your identity. And I think that it's a qualm that transcends just genre.
0: It's not just Star Wars. That's
1: There's my war. complaint with the fucking Democratic race, you know, what? this time around. That they... Fanboy culture. In. Like, yeah. people who are into Joe Biden are like, oh. the DNC is the best. Oh, the whole, like the whole horse race yeah. culture? Yeah, that's dumb. Yeah.
0: But also, you know, I mean, another, you know, rock and roll. I mean, people just yeah. base their personalities around these uh, you know mod- of these commodities that. it's like I am totally. an individual I am unique I am a person I am me and the entirety of what I do and think is something someone else created that I uncritically accept and uh, turn into an identity
2: it's, well, it's kind of gross and it's actually interesting to merge both of your points like your point? yeah your synthesis yeah we're doing some dialectic here um I just I just wanted to say that the Lowly. problem that we all have with the people who treat, you know, Lib Demhood as an identity mm-hmm. is that really, the problems that they have with the current political situation are entirely aesthetic because right. like, yes. their adoption exactly. of the identity of Lib Demhood is an aesthetic identity. It's not an actual ideological like I have morals. These morals have led me to make these choices. These choices make me believe that healthcare is a human right. All people should have food. All people should have housing. College should be free. That you know, the one percent should be taxed. You know, like all of those things. I was having dinner with some people who were ostensibly like railing at me about their lefty political sort of views and how much they hate the current administration. And I was like, "Yeah, I know. It's disgusting. Like, you know, we should have all of these very progressive things, like Medicare for all, or whatever, whatever, whatever." And then they like literally dropped their forks, we like I had literally. just, <laughs> as as if I had just been like, "Yeah, you know, we should fucking cut the heads off everyone and like establish Satanism as the national religion and fucking." We should just eat know, babies, just, uh, yeah, because and, we don't have enough and, food. For and then everybody. I realized we I should like, have
0: a Hufflepuff government again, yeah. And I was like, instead of
2: this Voldemort yeah exactly and I was like like it's just like you're not a person you're you're a you know I watch every Marvel movie it's it's not personhood you haven't actually examined your point of view now I sound like Raph like now you've got well, you're me literally your
0: saying I mean like yeah I mean, that's I a direct said quote, that yeah so verbatim yeah. before
2: <laughs> yeah great brain virus
0: brain viruses is, uh, is it's it's transmissible
2: oh god welcome to the show everybody speaking Ugh. of metastasized viruses fucking alien yeah rafs just burst out of my chest nice <laughs> um let's just go back and end this real quick
1: oh, like, please end this. okay so
2: the 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 fight at the end is pretty fucking iconic it's awesome pretty amazing you know and then they go into hypersleep and we leave it off in a very similar place that we left off the first movie basically up
1: with a hint like that a, we didn't get in the first one what was the hint? Did I miss something? Yeah. If you go all the way to the end of the movie, you get the sound of the
2: face hugger crawling across the frame. Ooh, at the end of the credits? Or? Yes. Oh, wow. yeah, that's horrifying. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I, th- I just... My question for you guys before we kind of wrap up talking about this movie was that I really wanted to know where you thought James Cameron's politics were. Because, like, there's an element of this movie that's very pro-military. Yeah. But I was it's also very anti-corporate.
1: I actually think that uh, James Cameron doesn't have a political stance in general. I think he maybe has a sociological stance, which is, like, against corporatism or, like, sort of monopolistic structures, right? Yeah. But... I mean, I don't feel like this is a political movie at all. I don't think it makes social commentary really. Exactly. I mean, maybe it's anti-capitalist at the extremities. I
0: tend to think of James Cameron, I mean to the extent that I think of him as probably like soft left. Yeah. Like, extremely, like... Like, I think he's a liberal.
2: Hollywood liberal. Yeah. Um, like, he's opposed... Probably
0: strongly environmentalist,
2: but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's interesting, because when I saw this movie, I almost thought about this as, like, a Bernie Trump voter, where it's, like, this is actually, like, pretty yeah. hard left. Like, there's a lot of really anti-corporate skepticism. It's hard
1: left and also, like... Support our troops. Sort yeah, of. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a
2: weird... It's, like, this weird dissonance between... Well, I think it's hard to make a movie with a protagonist
1: that isn't slightly authoritarian, right? Like because the hero of the movie is the the strong, intelligent heroine, right? Who who like overcomes the forces of ignorance. Like that's yeah, pretty that's liberal. Yeah, well, I don't. Okay, I don't authoritarian see isn't her... quite right. I just uh, mean yeah. like it's not. It's not pro collective. It's not pro community right it's pro hero
2: which i think is
1: always like that's my complaint about star Trek, right is that the moral ends up being all we need is the intelligent actor you know the the i mean okay we're going off on the rails no no, no, but but
2: i I get exactly what you're saying so basically what you're saying is like any kind of clear protagonist whose vision is going to reshape a better world Bends into fascist territory. It's too
1: clean. Yeah, like which is not. It's not exactly a complaint. Like I think it's hard to make a narrative that doesn't. I think it's just that. a storytelling
0: convention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, so I, so I I'm not. How, I'm not making a
1: criticism yeah. there exactly. I'm just saying it's certainly not a like a collectivist message. I think right? that
0: it it doesn't. I don't think it rises. I I don't think that that the the, the very fundamental way in which that story is tracking an individual and that there's an individual pro- protagonist is. Strong, I'm going to think about this because I never really thought about that way. My first inclination is to say this just has to do with our subjectivity and how we approach stories. That's why we have individual protagonists as opposed to group protagonists, which is possible, I suppose. Yeah, I can't think of anything. I guess I'm just sort of of thinking
1: about like we can't depend on a single intelligent actor to save us, right? So it's like a nice narrative to have, it's good for sci fi. But like that message, I think it's a little it's a little insidious, right? Where like, and and it ends up being destructive because then these people who have a lot of money and a lot of influence think that that's real, that that's really what we need is like a hero to save us, like Obama, you know. Which it, and realistically, that's not what we need. What we need is like a collective society to rise up. It's totally not the same as a simple hollywood narrative it makes a great movie it doesn't make a great society so so i don't know what james cameron's politics are but but the messages of his movies tend to be like kind of too clean is i guess what i'm getting at
2: fair enough yeah all right so should we throw two endorsements absolutely all right sam what do you got Mm, shit i got nothing what kind of wine drinking? Oh,
1: actually, that's a good call. Vermentino, everybody try Vermentino. It's white wine from Sardinia. It's fucking delicious.
0: Raph, what do you got? I'm going to uh, endorse Carolyn's uh, lemon ricotta cookies. Oh yeah, so good. Good. Oh my god, we should post that recipe on the on the blog.
2: Yeah, we have a blog. No, but I did sign us up for Instagram. Oh really? Yeah. Sounds that's You're like, like micro-blogging. Micro-blogging. I haven't started well, yeah, because they have more users than Twitter, so I thought it would be a better way to get people. Instagram
1: has more users than Twitter.
2: Yeah. Instagram <sighs> by like orders of magnitude, my dude. I actually have a really cool Bad endorsement addiction. this week. Welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> Go I'm forward. excited about this endorsement because my my bandmate Mike, uh I mean I guess, you know, now my band Ravens has been on hiatus for a long time. But oh, I thought you guys blew up. Um. Yeah, yeah, we did, and then I don't know. Now you're unblown up. I don't know. Just on hiatus. I don't know what we are. You can cut this whole conversation. I'm going okay. Yeah. So my my bandmate Mike, like he's in a much more famous band, um, and so he gets to play on really cool records. Like he played on the new Taylor Swift record. He played on the new Lana Del Rey record, and he played on this singer-songwriter's record that. You know, he posted her on social media and I checked it out and I was really into it. So he invited me to see her play at the top of the standard, um, which is in my neighborhood. And it was a really, really good show. This record will probably be out by the time the podcast is out. I don't think it's out right now. Her name is Kate Davis um, and she's just like a super talented bass player and songwriter and singer. Um, She co-wrote the Sharon Van Etten hit song, uh, 17 which is pretty cool. I didn't even know that Sharon needed other writers, but hey, that's cool. Oh, yeah, the new the, that most recent Sharon Van Etten record is pretty solid. Yeah, and, and Kate got, Davis... She's got a voice, man. ...has some, some credits on that. Tell cool. I, I have some Sharon stories I'll share off the air. Cool. Until next time, no. uh, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. You can follow us on social media. I'm at Asher Lack.
1: I'm at queso Piles. I'm at Spectral Taint. That's
2: not accurate. No, yeah, he I changed, changed his Twitter handle. Oh, Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah I changed it. Why? And you can follow. Do you not have a cool penis.
0: Well, no, I mean, I was. It was a directive, to have a cool penis. Right. You should have a cool penis. And then
1: you realize
0: that you don't.
1: So, well, you I should. so I was that spectral would spectral hypocritical taint. of me. Ah. Uh, it's it's <laughs> not a presumptuous. Having a cool penis. Presumptuous to ask that of exactly. people who might, yeah. who for whom it might not be within their. Yeah.
2: Not me. Abilities. us. Right. No, I get it. Yeah. yeah. And you cool. can follow Alan at highly affiligent and it's spelled A F I L I G E N T. Even though he's not here. And you can follow the show at Robot House Pod and it's spelled H A U S. All right, um until next time, guys. Oh. Cool. All right, see you guys. I regret everything. All right, bye.